0: Welcome to Everyday Buddhism, making every day better by applying the proven tools found in Buddhist concepts. Welcome to episode 60 of Everyday Buddhism, making every day better. I'm trying to make good on my commitment to create and release new podcast episodes with more frequency, or at least some consistency. So today, it's just me talking to you and, well, talking to me. I've been journaling about this to find out what I've been thinking about. My mind and my practice has been undergoing a change recently and the concept of the change is centered around the theme of my last episode about the 37 practices of bodhisattvas. But before we begin, um, I just want to apologize for any noise you might hear in the background. Um, it's a very, 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 very hot day here, and the air conditioning central air is running nonstop. Um, but in my office, which is my podcast studio, um, I have a rattle in one of the registers. So if you hear a little rattling in the background, it's just to save me from being hot. And if I'm hot, I probably wouldn't want to do this. So (laughs) we could all be happy that I won't be that hot. And I'm sure it's probably hot where you are, or maybe even hotter. So, uh, since I'm up in Rochester, New York, um, Heat isn't our normal issue. Uh, it's usually snow and cold and wind and all that stuff. Um, but when it's hot here, it is humid. So it's, uh, it's pretty intense here today. So on with the episode. Like I said, today it's just me talking, no guests, and uh, talking about what I've been thinking about. And hopefully it's something that will benefit you too because it's been what I've been trying to think about to benefit myself and benefit all others. So no surprise here. And to reiterate the obvious, life has been hard lately. Depressing and a struggle for many and devastating for so many others. Yet, as Billy Joel expressed in his 1989 hit song, We Didn't Start the Fire, he sang, We didn't start the fire. It was always burning. Since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. No, we didn't light it. But we did try to fight it. Or we tried to fight it. So that's the first noble truth, a la Billy Joel. All this suffering around us, plagues, violence, floods, and yes, fires, it's always been. I and mean, maybe we didn't start it directly, personally, but it is part of the human condition. It is samsara. It comes with our journey through our human lives. But here's the rub right here in this line from Billy Joel, we tried to fight it. See, our response to the world burning is fight, flight, or freeze, our innate, innate lizard brain reaction to perceived or real threats. This reactivity, even if seemingly driven by noble impulses to help, can do more to intensify the suffering, if not for others, than for ourselves. If our actions or speech are not motivated by an attitude of compassion and equanimity. Yes, it's been a particularly rough 18 months or so with the global COVID pandemic causing so much fear and suffering. And even before that, the undeniable results of climate change bringing fires and flooding to all parts of the world add earthquakes and the horrors of Afghanistan and Syria and so many other countries plunged in violence, plus ongoing political divisiveness, angry protests, and social and racial injustice, and well, you have a recipe for unremitting stress, unremitting trauma, and overwhelm. And those of you who follow this podcast know, I've been looking at How I might, we might find a way to help ourselves and others through all of this from many different Buddhist oriented approaches. I've had many guest teachers and others offering practices and methods to help, and I shared some of my own thoughts and methods since the spring of 2020. From a more recent Chan oriented practice to gratitude practice to shin practice to resilience to lamentation and to the old favorite Buddhist seeing and accepting things as they are and on and on and on and on. But finally, though, I personally came back to a practice and an attitude. From my many years of Tibetan Buddhist study and practice, it was the practice of, and more foundational, the attitude of a bodhisattva. That's why I named this podcast, It's All About Tude, but Not That Tude. This bodhisattva attitude or Tude is motivated and powered by something called bodhicitta. And it is one of one that has been particularly helpful with the worries, fears, sadness, and overwhelm I've been feeling again. And I think, I hope, the practice seems to have more staying power for me, keeping me in a f- more feelings of balance, equanimity, and internal peace than I have been in quite some time. But back to bodhicitta. Bodhicitta is a Sanskrit word in its simplest definition, meaning awakening mind, or the altruistic determination to be awakened or enlightened for the benefit of all beings. A bodhisattva, likewise, is an individual seeking awakening and possessing the compassionate motivation of bodhicitta. So I came back to the beginning. In the beginning is intention, or for the purposes of this podcast episode, attitude. In the beginning there's attitude or intention. Right intention is one part of the Noble Eightfold Path taught by the Buddha. It's been a while since we visited the Eightfold Path. So a little reminder, right, as in right intention Right does not imply that a way other than the way the Buddha taught is wrong <laughs> or is wrong in a bad or sinful way, but that this is a better way of practicing, a more efficient or expeditious or healthier way to practice a way that is less likely to cause you trouble or pain. Think of it like a a yoga teacher, just gently adjusting your posture so that you don't hurt yourself in the process of your poses. Right intention, right attitude. That's what I've been thinking about lately. And what had me return to the mind and heart training techniques like Tonglen and Lojong, and the teachings of the 37 practices of bodhisattvas, and the way of the bodhisattva by Shante Deva and many others. It was as if I felt myself in the midst of our ongoing burning world, feeling around for a way out. And without any conscious decision, I reached for and grabbed all my bodhisattva teachings and materials, and I haven't let go. It almost felt instinctual, like the instinctual attraction to the real refuge. You know, when looking outside at our burning world is just too hard to bear, it's time, again, to look inside. Look at my motivation, my intention. Look at what my heart was holding and where my mind returned and look to see how my heart can be softened and how my mind can let go of its death grip on negative thoughts. It's like the teaching of the parable of the second arrow. Yes, you've been wounded by an arrow, but the suffering ends when the arrow is removed and the wound fixed. But if you continue to focus on who shot the arrow, why they shot it, what direction they shot it from, and your anger toward the situation and the person, well, then you've wounded yourself twice. Therein lies the second arrow. That's what pure reactivity does. We fight, or we run, or we roll up in a ball of fear and overwhelm. But what if we chose instead? to look into our own mind and heart and see what we're holding in there and how it might be released or purified. I did that. It wasn't pretty. So I've decided that instead of trying to fight it, as Billy Joel sings, or give in to depression or overwhelm, which is pretty much the mix of my own response to this burning world, anger, sadness, and overwhelm, and repeat, anger, sadness, and overwhelm. Instead of bouncing around in those reactions, like in a bouncy house, I would try to fix the thing I can fix, my own mind, my attitude. This attitude, the bodhisattva attitude or bodhicitta, is a powerful mix of compassion and equanimity. Compassion is something most people feel they know something about. Equanimity? Mm, Not so much. Yet that's the secret ingredient to this bodhisattva attitude I'm talking about. And this equanimity, from a Buddhist perspective, very much depends on a deep understanding of emptiness. We can see compassion as a call to serve those in the world that need our help or engage in social movements that will be of help to people, social issues like poverty, homelessness, racial and cultural equality, environment, and even politics. A feeling for and a feeling with, which is essentially the definition of compassion, with passion, a feeling with, Those that suffer due to poverty, illness, abuse, wars, natural disasters, injustice, fear, and all the other ways we humans suffer in this world, gives rise to reactions of wanting to care for and or fight for those that are suffering. Yet, if we spring to action, or what I think is generally more common in the West today, feel like we should spring to action... We've done, we've done so from sort of the opposite of equanimity. Equanimity isn't reactive, but instead a steady awareness or realization of the nature of things as they are, that things are impermanent, that they are interconnected, and that they are empty of inherent existence. Equanimity springs from wisdom, and because of that, it is what balances compassion in the wisdom that sees things as they are, not as you would like them to be. Equanimity turns a reactive, compassionate response from idiot compassion, as Chogam Trungpa Rinpoche called it, to a wise compassion. In the end, it is an understanding that we can't And suffering. Remember, the world has always been burning as long as it has been turning. But as part of this bodhisattva practice, we work to free all beings from that suffering. That bodhisattva and training work is helping others find the balance and peace of equanimity despite the physical or emotional circumstances they find themselves in. This is the kind of compassion we work to develop. And it starts with me and you through these meditative and reflective practices that gradually train our minds and hearts. And of course, you can help others avoid as much worldly suffering as possible whenever possible, You can volunteer, you can contribute money, you can write letters to your representatives, and you can demonstrate or protest. But if in doing those outside activities, you are suffering on the inside from a motivation based on anger or fear, you are shooting a quiver full of second, third, and fourth arrows at yourself and possibly causing more pain for others. This becomes even more powerful if you are triggered by group think or a sense of me versus the other. In today's supercharged world, waves of group speech and actions can propel the feeling that we need to act or speak out. A reactive response to unguarded energies from others that are generally not driven by reflection but instead by fight or flight reaction. You know, in the chapter on vigilant introspection in the book, The Way of the Bodhisattva by Deva, he teaches about this kind of guarding the mind, this guarding the mind from reactivity. He teaches, quote, when the urge arises in your mind to feelings of desire or angry hate, do not act, be silent, do not speak, and like a log of wood, be sure to stay, Unquote. Bodhicitta evolves out of this wise, thoughtful kind of compassion. Bodhicitta, as awakening mind, is the intention to wake up to life as it is so that you can help others do the same thing. It is not just an emotion or feeling, but an understanding arising from the wisdom of emptiness or no self, the wisdom of impermanence, and the wisdom of interdependence. It may be sparked by a feeling of compassion, but it is a more seasoned or evolved kind of compassion in the way it is understood or executed. Ken McLeod, in his book, Reflections on Silver River, a translation and commentary on Togmei Zongpo's 37 Practices of Bodhisattvas, writes, quote, To ease the pain in the world, you have to respond differently. You cannot rely on what your emotional reactions are telling you. You have to find clarity and presence in the situation itself free from the projections of thought and feeling. Only then will you know what, if anything, to do. He goes on to teach, Quote, Ordinarily, life is a bit of a trampoline. You bounce from one reaction to another, when you, and then when you suppress reactions, you push that energy into your body. When you give expression to your reactions, you dump that energy into the world. Others experience your emotional reactions, and then you do not. Through the discipline of practice, you stop bouncing around and are awake in the experience of your reactions, neither suppressing them nor expressing them. Then they come and go like drawings on water or like clouds floating in the sky, I will add. Ken writes and finishes, it is a tough path. And the first step is to stop indulging emotional reactions, unquote. This is the sort of practice that is pulling me from a pattern I've been trapped in since early 2020 when the pandemic began. A a pattern of, you know, sort of bobbing to the surface, holding on to some sort of hope or thought of resilience, and then being dragged back under the water when things don't seem to be getting any better. Or in fact... Things in the world keep getting worse. More and more fires. For me, the trick was to keep practicing with daily meditation on the 37 practices of bodhisattvas and or the way of, bo- of the bodhisattva, plus doing tonglan, which is taking and sending, meta, and or practice. It isn't easy because it takes breaking a habit of reactivity and, well laziness or avoidance of the practice i'll end this episode with this encouragement to quote come home to ourselves from Titnathan, han he writes quote it requires that we make peace with our suffering treating it tenderly and looking deeply at the roots of our pain It requires that we let go of useless, unnecessary sufferings, release the second arrow, and take a closer look at our idea of happiness. Finally, it requires that we nourish ourselves daily with acknowledgement, understanding, and compassion for ourselves and those around us, unquote. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget that you can join me and others in the private donation-supported Everyday Sangha that meets virtually via Zoom every other week on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The Sangha is currently studying and practicing the 37 Practices of Bodhisattvas as featured on the previous episode and mentioned again on today's episode. And please consider supporting the efforts of this podcast and related groups by becoming a community member for $5 a month. This is how I am able to keep this podcast going without sponsorship or advertising, which is the last thing in the world you want to hear in a Buddhist-oriented podcast. So if you could find it in your heart and in your budget to um, become a community member for $5 a month. If you do, you will have access to blogs, members-only podcasts, an education series, a private Facebook group, and hopefully we will soon have an announcement about the launch of an intro to Buddhism study group as an offering to all our community members. This should be a, uh, a live Zoom study group, and we hopefully will have more to say about it in the coming weeks. So until next time, keep finding ways to make yours and everyone's days better.